Welcome to Radio, uh, a podcast by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa, when we interview entrepreneurs in the network about their stories and how they go about their business. Uh, my name is Ross Drex, and I'm your host, and I'm here with Andrew Brown, who's the CEO of The Daily Buzz. Hello, Ross. Good to be here. Yeah, welcome, and thank you for joining us, Andrew. Um, my first question is a very simple one. Give us your elevator pitch so that everyone understands what your business is. Okay, well, uh, we it started out 12 years ago. We do coffee bars inside corporate buildings. That is a niche that we play in. We are probably the only operator in South Africa that, that does coffee in corporate coffee bars, and we're very focused around the, um, the office workers and serving them awesome cup of coffee in a short space of time with the most awesome service. So they go back to their desk feeling a lot happier than when they arrived at our coffee bars. So you like a little bit of a ray of sunshine inside a, a sea of Yeah, of we gray. like to think it's the best part of uh, our, our worker um, or our customer's day is coming down to the Daily Buzz coffee bar for a great cup of coffee and then heading back to carry on slogging at their desks. So where do you think the best cup of coffee in South Africa is? Undoubtedly at uh, Craft Coffee, which is our roastery in Newtown, um, not far from where we are t- now. Uh, I've got uh, one of the, the, probably one of the finest, or if not the finest barista, head barista there ha- heading up the show in Lovejoy, Chirambasukwa. Um, who's a previous SA barista and all-Africa barista champ. And uh, if you want a conversation on coffee and you've got a couple of hours to spare, he's the guy to go and talk to. So, I mean, you you are a, a, like a pencil pusher, um, an accountant. How did you end up uh, serving coffee to people and becoming a, a coffee expert? Well, I, I think it's probably the beans that, that attracted me, being a bean, bean counter. Now, I, I used to work in, in one of the big banks, and um, the, the coffee there, well, I'd started drinking coffee and drinking espressos after lunch. The coffee there served by the, the in, in corporate uh, caterer was just terrible. The, it was sometimes hot, sometimes cold, sometimes a lot of coffee, um, and the service was, was actually really terrible. In fact, one day I went there, there was a long queue. Eventually got to the front of the queue, there was a lady who kind of grumbled there, what's your order, what have you, and I, I looked behind the counter, and there I saw another one of the baristas sitting down eating, and I said, hey, what's going on here? There's a big queue. Um, surely you should be serving the customers, and, and she said, no, 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 she also needs to eat. Um, which I thought was just not on. I mean, we'd waited a long time in the queue for that, that bit of coffee, and it really, it wasn't worth worth waiting that long. And the service, the service was terrible. So that uh, I think that was really the beginning of I can do this better. And like anything, you look at it and think, oh, this is easy. It's just a counter and a coffee machine, and you hire a couple of people. Uh, and and once you start doing it, you realise that there's there's a lot that you didn't think of, you didn't realise, needs to happen for it to be. Uh, that great cup of coffee that you serve the customer. So what was the, the biggest or the most surprising thing you learned in that journey to, from, from bad service to earning the daily buzz? So probably, I mean, initially one of the biggest, uh, the, the biggest surprises is we sat down and we did a count of that existing in-corporate coffee caterer. And they were doing, let's say, I think it was 200 cups of coffee. And we said, oh, okay, if we do about 150 cups of coffee when we open, that'd be great. And we opened and we exceeded that 150 cups of coffee quite soon. 
And probably in the, in, in the first month or two, we actually had 300 cups of coffee. Um, and within six months, we were up to 600 cups of coffee. Uh, so that, that was a big surprise, as, as, as it was way beyond our expectation. And it wasn't like we were taking market share from the existing operator. It was just that there was this massive demand that wasn't actually being met by the, the operator in, in the building, demand for really good co- coffee and, and really good service. So how, how, what percentage of the, the salary bill that corporate South Africa pays do you think is converted into coffee every year? Well, uh, I suppose that's quite a tough question. So I, I would say uh, oh, up to about 5%. Um, I think some people in some cases drink up to f- maybe five, six cups of coffee a day. But the, our, our market profile, of uh, our, our customer profile, are people that have fairly high disposable income. Um, so I think it's a, it is a low percentage because you do want to, our, our model relies on people coming for a cup of coffee, not just one, but maybe two cups of coffee every single day. Um, if we don't get those customers coming through every day, um, we don't do, uh, it's not really a viable business. So now I'm in a little, little piece of honesty. How many cups of coffee do you drink every day? Oh, I, I drink up to three cups of coffee. Unfortunately, I, I can't drink anything after 12 or midday because if I do, then I, I, I don't sleep very well and I tend to to have a, a fitful sleep the, the, that night. So I've got to limit myself. And so you smash three before 12? I smash three before 12 and every now and then I try and sneak one at one or two o'clock and I wake up during the night. <laughs> and you regret it. <laughs> um, now you were at the... Um Regional Leadership Academy, um, and for non-EA listeners, that's a, a, a piece of learning, I mean, like a four-day learning experience that's, that's organized around a different style of leadership. Yes. Um, will you just share a little bit about that experience with people and, and what you sort of learned there? Yeah, sure. It, it, was, a, it was an immersive um, leadership program, immersive being with a, a group of people for, for the three to four days that we were there with limited contact with the out, outside world. So um, the, the program was delivered in the form of stories. So the entire content was delivered in stories and um, it was almost as if that, that program was tailor-made specifically for me. And it just came at, at, at a right time in, in, in my life in terms of learnings around leadership, about um, personal leadership um, and and the, the two facilitators that delivered it um, one is an EO member George Gann who's from uh, Malaysia um, sharing his knowledge and experience and the other one was a, a chap named Warren Rustand um, from the US is uh, fairly an elderly gentleman but with lots of experience and, and, and some great stories um, and I think this is a program that's been tailored over um, the last, it's probably 10, 15 years since its inception. Um, and it really is, is, is purpose made for entrepreneurs. And it's not just about your business, it's, it's more about um, your self-development, your self, being able to lead yourself. Um, and what, I mean, so, so just for the listeners, what sort of nuggets are you like that people can kind of take out of this? What did you, you learn that, that people can apply in their lives? Well, I, I think for me, uh, there, were, oh, there were so many things. I mean, the, the, the one of them is, is active listening. So when you do listen to someone is to look directly at them, um, 
to observe their facial expressions, their um, their their body posture, um, and 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 to really try and hear what they're saying, and then to repeat it back to them in your own words, as an I heard you say. Um, it's an incredibly powerful thing, and uh, I, I think it's quite nerve-wracking looking someone right in the eyes and. Um, but after a while, you establish a connection, and and the level of communi- or connection that you've got and communication that that happens is really powerful. I mean, I, I've done it once or twice with my wife and some of the the people in 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 my business, and initially it's quite awkward and people don't like it, but it it really it uh, I, yeah it develops a, a much deeper level of connection. Um, I think. And have some, you done this throughout your business? I mean, are you doing this with everyone in your business, or? So I well, I mean, also my sort of just within my business, something else that that I, I've learned is is more to adopt a servant style of leadership, um, where I give the responsibility to my management team to run the business, and 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 my whole style now is to step back and to be there as a servant leader. In other words, to support them. Um, to help them solve problems that they might have, and 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 to to help them develop themselves along along their journeys. I mean, something else that one of the other learnings was a concept of shoshin, which I think is a Chinese concept, and it's to um, listen like a beginner. So often entrepreneurs and probably people that are a bit older, um, you've lived life quite a bit. You've had many experiences. You form lots of op- opinions and views of the world and a lot of time that prevents you from actually hearing what someone else is saying because you've got these preconceptions um, and and you don't necessarily hear what people say and this whole concept of Shoshin is to listen like a beginner, to to pretend, to forget everything you know and listen like you're hearing this for the very first time, you're hearing something about a particular subject for the very first time. And, and what that does is you don't have any preconceptions or opinions or ideas, and it enables you to really hear what the person is is saying. I mean, obviously down the line you can make up your mind whether it's something that you want to apply or want to um, practice in, in, in some way, but it, it, it enables you to really hear what, what, what someone else has, has got to say. And, that, and that's something that I've also brought back into my business in, in, in applying and, and trying to listen to people and to accept different points of opinion and not to say, well, this guy just waffles on and he really doesn't have anything to say beyond the first um, sentence that he says, is to, to try and listen to, to what, what people are saying. I think something else is also the issue around timing is we do have limited time and it's to things like start on time, end on time. So there's a certain amount of time. If people are going to say something, they need to get to the point in a short space of time, not to waffle on. And uh, I think people can deliver a message in two, three minutes, um, and you can you can be a lot more effective if you if you limit the time that you you spend on subjects, on meetings, on work that you need to do. Okay, I mean, I feel like that might have been a personal attack on me because I was um, ten minutes late for this this interview, but. Uh, I'll I'll listen. I'll and actively actually, listen to what you're saying, and I'll change myself as and, a person. And that's that's quite interesting. I mean, just you say that I was sitting in this this leadership academy, and it was with people from I think 23 different countries from um, around Africa, Middle East, a couple of guys from Europe. So a broad range of entrepreneurs from literally around the world. Some with really 
big businesses. In fact, one of the guys, he was running a, a business that's a $100 million turnover business, which is it's massive in comparison to mine. And I was also sitting there feeling maybe a little bit inadequate and not feeling that I could add value or, or my stories weren't relevant. And I mean, over, over the, the period of a couple of days, I realized that I was just as relevant and valuable as any of the guys sitting there. And I had a lot of value that I could add to the, to the group. Um, yeah, so, and, and also it's quite interesting, like your comment around being late for the podcast is, I, it didn't really occur to me that, that what I'd said had that effect on you. And I, I think that's, that's also a, a, a learning. And sometimes I feel certain ways because people do certain things, but I don't necessarily voice them. And then they, they don't actually, they don't realize that the effect that, or the impact that it's had on me. Mm. Isn't that, I mean, I think within that, there's that uh, experience of being very clear with people, like with your expectations or anything. You're like, I expect this from you and yes. just actually spell it out in that, like in plain English. Um, I find that my staff appreciate it hugely because sometimes you have this expectation, which you don't voice. They do what they believe is the solution to your expectations and then you're disappointed or not happy and then they feel upset about it and it creates that sort of dynamic of, of no one in the relationship is happy just because of um, some unclear unclear communication. So yeah. I think if you can open up that communication, it can clear a lot of anxiety and save a lot of that time and frustration that people feel and you focus on other stuff that's more important. Yes. So how have you, how have you applied that active learning you know, in the Daily Buzz or in Craft Coffee? So... I mean, what I'm actually, I'm on a bit of a journey at the moment to to set the business up so that I've got a management team I put place a lot more responsibility on and I can then run the business on a two-day-a-week two basis. Um, and it's, it, it, it's really putting responsibility onto people and then being there um, to support them. So allowing them to make mistakes, which is something that previously I, I thought that I had to carry all of the decisions and the weight was on my shoulders and I was the only guy that could come up with all these wonderful ideas and just putting the responsibility in, in the management team it's it's amazing what comes out of the out of the guys like stuff I, I wouldn't ever have thought of but such such good ideas um, and I think that the, the the art of activeness listening is that people feel acknowledged they feel that they value um, uh, or you value what they have to say um, and that you are prepared to spend time with them and, and to really listen and acknowledge them as, as I suppose, human, human beings um, and, and, and what, they can, what, what they're capable of doing. So, and that's quite a big part of what the business is about, is taking people and, and, and really looking at how we can unlock their potential. So I've been on this journey of self-development and what I'm wanting to do is take my learnings and to give it back to the business and hopefully it will, some of the guys will take on the learnings and they will also cascade it down into the business and um, it'll become a more human business. We'll treat each other better with more respect, with more responsibility. Um, so it's been a, a great journey I've been on and I think this leadership academy that I was on was really almost like crystallizing all of these different thoughts and theories and ideas that I've been aware of, but it's put it into a package which um, has allowed me to 
absorb it or assimilate it and, and now to, to start um, executing it in my, in, in my business and, yes. and beyond that in my life. It's interesting that like, practicality of taking it and turning it from concept into, into reality is often such a tricky, a tricky journey. It's a tricky journey and there's, I think there's no right or wrong and you're going to make mistakes along the way. But if you don't venture, you don't know whether it's going to, it'll work or not. I mean, you touched on, uh, there was a thought you put out just now where you said um, allowing them to be free to make mistakes. Can you talk a little bit more about how you, how you do that? So, so for me personally, I've, I've always got views on how we need to do things. For instance, the, the coffee bar that we built at Stanabank, and this was one of my pet projects, and I wanted to be this the absolute world-class pinnacle of coffee bars. Um, and I, I realized that my, the standard that I set is, is incredibly high, and when, when, when what happens doesn't meet my standard, then I, I used to get quite upset. Now, what I've done is I've, in delegating this responsibility that management team, is I need to let go a little bit. I know it's not going to be executed as perfectly as I would want it to be, but what is happening is I'm stepping out of the way and people are actually getting work done, whereas previously I was, I was a bottleneck. Um, I'm not sure that I answered the question well, I mean, I think you have interest. I mean, there's my forum mate, um, uh, Mark Hermesay, said something to me, which is one of those thoughts that you hear that just like like a, a switch flicks in your head and you can never go back again. And the other one, as he said to me, was, um, you know, if you when you let go of stuff, you accept that people will do it 80% the way you would and you need to be okay with that. And as soon as you're okay with that, you actually find that they're doing it 100% the way they can, and sometimes it's almost better yeah. than what you would have, especially when you allow that to happen across multiple people, because four people or five people doing what you are doing, even if they're not doing it 100% of how you would, they are doing more than what you could as one, yeah. one person. Yeah, and it's incredibly important if, 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 if I'm going to grow my business that I, I'm able to delegate this and to rely on people to actually get stuff done. Um, if, if, if I'm the only one that's making decisions and holding things back because I haven't made a decision or given my input, then it, it, it really sort of it, it stifles the business um, and, and I can't scale the business like that. And also it's... Oh, just taking it's been a massive pressure release all of this weight's been taken off my shoulders and I know my management team or the guys that that work with me are able to execute really well on 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 what they do and they've got they're good at what they do they really are um, and and for me it's really just stepping in the background making sure that everyone does what they should be doing or they've committed to doing but they're also working as a team um, that, that's one of the big things that I'm working on is how to get all of these quite different individuals working together as, as, a, as a team and supporting each other. I mean, that's a perfect segue into one of my questions. You shared with me how you've restructured your management meetings, um, or I don't know if you call them EXCO meetings, um, since the, the um, Leadership Academy. Could you just tell us a little bit about how you've done that and, and what the impact has been. So, so what, what I've done is, is, is taken meetings to, to a point where um, 
where we're doing update meetings, the different areas have different frequencies, so it could be weekly or every two weeks or every month. Um, but each, each of the different areas has a dashboard. There's some common elements around the dashboard uh, that look at customers and look at people, at what, our, what we think our ratings are. And there's specific things that we look at for the different areas, really just scoring ourselves against targets in some cases as to how well how well we're doing. So sales would be one of those things, What how we're doing versus last week or versus the month on average or number of, of customer comments, are they positive or negative? So looking at things like that, that's dashboards. And what I've asked everyone to do is to produce those a day before so I can go and have a look at them. And we sit down in the meeting, which my meetings are restricted to half an hour. We talk about um, what actions need to be taken, what decisions need to be taken, are there any challenges or rocks in the way that, um, that, they, that they've got. Um, and then also, if, if we need to, we can also do some idea generation. So anyone can read a report on how we're doing, but I think the value in those meetings comes around really interrogating, asking questions, talking about what's what's happening and, and where we're going into the into the future. So I mean that's the one area is looking at um, dashboards on how the business is doing. The other one is to look at it's almost like incremental changes in the business, and what we're trying to do is we're running ninety day cycles. What we are doing is we're running 90-day cycles where each area has, the business has an overall three priorities it needs to achieve this year. And then those are cascaded down into the areas and they're broken down into 90-day cycles. So everyone has three priorities in the next 90 days. Um, and, and, and then I meet with them on a, a monthly basis looking at what those priorities are, how they're doing, are they on track, um, do they need any help with them, um, with, with, with progressing. Um, and, and that's really looking at incremental changes in the business. And once we've achieved that priority, it's almost like it becomes a way of working in the business. So the end of April now, we've got the end of um, the first first 90 day cycle. Um, and initially what, what happened when I asked the guys to do their three priorities, um, they ended up putting in like eight to 10 priorities. <laughs> And, and the whole idea is to, I had to challenge him and say, no, that's too many. Let's rather slim it down to just three because I want your chances of success to be um, maximized. If you've got 10, 10 priorities that you're looking to achieve in the next 90 three. days, you probably finish three if, if you finish any at all because you're trying to work across all, all of those. Um, so th that's, that, that's another area. And then also in terms of the management team, we meet every two weeks um, for either two hours or a half day. And that's really looking at how we're doing and then also developing um, more uh, ideas around our, our strategy. Now, a lot of this has come out of a book called Scaling Up, the Vern Harnish book. Um, and the intentions over the next two years is to implement all of the, all of the uh, ways of working that, that, that we think are relevant for the business. That's amazing. Um, I love that idea um, of using that management time effectively. Um, there's a thought that my co-host who's not here today, Rich Mulholland, says when you're doing a presentation, you know, if you're doing it for 20 minutes and there are 100 people in the room, you've actually got, you know, 2,000 minutes yeah, 2,000 minutes of time that you actually, you know, you're spending. It's not just 20 minutes, it's 2,000 minutes. And 
I love this idea that when you put your four, five, six management team in a room for 30 minutes, that's you know almost three hours of the most important time in your business and spending it kind of just doing check-ins and updates and a lot of the things that that so many of these meetings chew up are it's it's such a waste of yeah of resource that real power that gold is mm. those minds focused on, on this problems, is a problem yeah. what do we do what ideas how can we solve this yeah. and I, I think often and that, that's um, one of the things that you did when we did our, our strategy work together around the marketing strategy was facilitating coming up with a marketing strategy and I often do that in, in these sessions I say okay right this is what we're trying to do. Let's say we're going to be opening a new retail store um, and pose a question on some problem that we're having with, with that. And it's like, okay, guys, go off, break them up into groups, come up with ideas on how we can solve this problem and literally give them five minutes. They go off, they brainstorm ideas and they come back and present them. And it is, it's amazing what comes out of mm. it. And, and all I'm doing is I'm just facilitating it and I'm guiding it in the way that I think it should, should go. But all those ideas are coming from, from my team. And that is, has also been one of the biggest reliefs to me is, is that these ideas and the work, this heavy lifting almost, is actually coming out of the team. Um, and it's not me that has to think of all of the ideas and what we need to do. And I, I, it, it is very much a shift in, or it's, it's a shift in me in, in the way that I've, 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 I've been managing the business this year. I suppose it's such a, you know, it's, it's logical that when if everyone is kind of coming up with ideas, you're more likely to get better ideas. Mm. Um, I think there's also that element of if you are empowered to come up with an idea and it's selected or the group chooses that it's the one they're going to execute, you feel a level of ownership you know, of that idea and now you're yeah. engaged in the positive outcome of it so you're more yes. likely to work harder and you're more likely to you know, really kind of invest in what it's doing. And I think it, it's such a catalyzing thing is if yeah. everyone is kind of coming up with a solution as opposed to you being this omnipotent power telling them this is the solution that we're going to implement and they yeah. might not necessarily agree and with you. Actually, th this this week at, uh, at our sort of two-hour update, what I did is everyone did an update on their three priorities for the next 90 days. And then I said to everyone, I said, okay, you need to think about what you think that person's next three priorities need to be for the next 90-day cycle. And they didn't, oh, the other people. Yes, the other people. So they didn't know who they needed to think about. And then I just allocated people randomly. So Ross, you had to think about my priorities, my next 90-day priorities. And then the guys, they had a bit of a time to think about what the pro I would have thought about what your 90-day priorities were for the next cycle. And I wrote them down. And then I had to present them back to you as if I were, were, were you. And it was actually quite astounding, the... Um, the quality answers that they and the ideas that they came with came up with of what the priorities need to be for someone else it's not even their area it's for someone else like mm. the operation side of thing um, the 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 ideas that came out of um, out of the guys even if, even though it wasn't their own areas um, and and what that was doing is encourage them to actively listen to what everyone was doing in the updates and then to think if I was that person in their shoes what would my next three 90-day priorities be? Um, it was quite amazing. I, I was really amazed at their, their answers. I think that's such an interesting exercise because I can see it 
if you're telling me what you think my priorities are, I'm, you know, and you supply, surprise me, uh, you know, like it develops a deeper relationship between the two of us. I'm like, oh, Andrew really did listen. He does care about my area. I never thought of that. That was, you know, like you almost forming a bit of a relationship in that moment. And I think there's also that element of um, destroying silos in the business, which is such a, like a toxic thing when it sets up when the, the different people don't talk to each other. So you're almost forced to wear a different hat. And by doing that, you're like, okay, this is how my actions Mm. affect operations or affect sales or affect marketing or whatever the different kind of um, leaders are. And and how has your team reacted to this stuff? So there's a new sense of energy and or vibrancy in the business. Previously, I had never done a strategy session with them. And this is, so I'm a bit uh, embarrassed to admit, but I mean, we've been in business for the last uh, 12 years now. And it's always the strategy is, is very much sat with me or um, at one stage, my brother was in the business with the both of us. Uh, and, and we just decided on what the strategy was and then um, everyone in the business needed to implement. So it, it, it's, what it has done is created a great sense of team um, and then also uh, everyone being part of, of, of what the strategy is has also increased um, the, their motivation in, in, in what they're doing. And everyone now knows this is where we're going, this is why we're doing things. Um, and even things like just setting a purpose for the business ha- has been hugely powerful. Um, and, 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 and things like values, which previously I, I used to think, well, like, what are these values for? Why do people have them? They are just so incredibly powerful if, if they're used in, in, in the right way. Um, and I think you, you, you know about values in, in terms of what you've done in your business and putting them up on the wall and awarding people for, for living by those values. And we, such, I mean, we, I think it's one of the most fundamental, if you want to control how people are in your company, you give them a set of guidelines. I mean, we yeah. do a thing, we discuss our va- or one set of values twice a week, like so every Monday and every Friday. Yeah. It's, it's just two, three minutes. So it's, what do you believe this behavior to be? Has anyone in the studio, uh, you know, like displayed that behavior? And people are like, oh, you know, they helped me with this. They didn't have to. It was late. They stayed, you know, they stayed for an extra 20 minutes and actually just helped me solve that problem. And I think that cycle of sharing the behavior or what you believe the behavior to be and then kind of acknowledging people who perform that behavior makes it a living thing and not just like you arrive on day one and they're like, cool, these are our values. Uh, Remember them, we'll ask you in the hallway in six months time if you know what they are. And in six months time, you're like, what are the values? Oh, it's innovation, uh, inspiration and people first. Yes, well done, congratulations on your values. Uh, uh, I think it's such a, a lost opportunity with, with that mm. so many businesses have, like just using values as a way of acknowledging correct behavior and giving people a path to correcting yes. incorrect behavior. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, that that's uh, coming back to that idea of incremental improvement. I think reinforcing good behavior and discussing why bad behavior isn't you know, like doesn't align with the values is is such a slow incremental move 
So suddenly you've got many people around you. Yeah. And I love that exponential idea that when, if 60 or 70% of people are living the values, the other 30% are gonna come along for the ride, whether they want to, you know, and if they don't, they'll leave. But yes. you, like once you hit a critical mass, it, it becomes ingrained in the, yeah, the company. And in, in, in the culture, which is, is really one of the key things which you can't ever replicate. So in our case, you've got manuals for how you run coffee bars, but you can't replicate the culture. It's not written in a, in, in a manual somewhere. Yeah. Um, so anyone can buy coffee machines and they can buy the book on how to operate the coffee bar. But the culture part is, is what I believe is, is what differentiates us from any other coffee operators out there. And uh, just while we're on the topic of, of values, is um, we had a, our staff meeting. We had our staff meeting um, two weeks ago. And it's on a Saturday morning when we can get everyone together. We had about 80 people in, in, in an auditorium. And what I asked everyone to do, we took um, some time, is to do role plays. So we split everyone up into five groups, we've got five values, and they, they had to do role plays on demonstrating the values. And I must say, when people came up on stage and they, they did these role plays demonstrating the different values, it was, I said to the guys, it was better than watching TV. It was so entertaining and also quite revealing in terms of what, what went on and how people, um, reacted and, and played out the, the different values. It, it really was. And afterwards, it, 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 there was just this, this great buzz around yeah, the room from, from, from these uh, uh, value role plays that we did. It, it really was a good exercise. And that's, I mean, that's also something that's come out of this Leadership Academy. It's given me the confidence to, like, I've got a bit of an idea. Let me see if I can try this. So I'm up on stage, okay, guys, we're now going gonna to do this values role play. And... Uh, that's one of the benefits of, of having been there is got an idea. Let's let's venture, let's actually try and see see what happens. And it is absolutely amazing sometimes what, what does happen, particularly when you activate people and you start getting them to 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 work together and to think about things and to even perform for their for their colleagues. I love that. I think that's a great note to to end the episode. So thank you very much, Andrew. I think there's a lot of interesting learnings that people can practically start trying to apply in their in their businesses so thank you for for joining us it's a pleasure thanks ross so there you have it that was the radio podcast for this week i read a quote recently that i really enjoy and it said this said i firmly believe that magic cannot be taught it can be learned but it cannot be taught how can i know what you need what you should do what you should think This is by Tommy Wonder from the Book of Wonder. And while it's a quote about magicians, I think that it's a content that's relevant to everybody. Uh, Stuff cannot be taught. It can only be learned. And that's the purpose of this year podcast. And that's what we want to leave with you. We want to give you other people's stories so you can take away and learn from the great things that have been done in this fantastic network. So that's a wrap for the episode. I'd like to just uh, dial off by thanking our amazing sponsors, Bidvest Car Rental, 10XE, LaborNet, and ExecCare. Be sure to subscribe in any of the, whether it's iTunes or uh, Pocket Casts or Stitcher uh, to the podcast so that we can get a dose of this into your inbox every single week. And of course, be sure to let us know if you have an amazing story that you would like to share with the network. We know everybody in EO has a story and we want to make yours uh, more widely known. So that's it. Have a great week. Keep learning. Cheers. We would love to get your input. Please send it to radio at eosa.co.za. 
thanks, and we'll see you in two weeks. All right, peace out.